Good evening. I'm Jeff Glor of CBS News, filling in for Charlie Rose, who is traveling this evening. Legendary singer, songwriter, and pop music icon Prince died on Thursday at his home in Chanhassen, Minnesota. As of press time, no cause of death has been given. Prince was a prodigy, a provocateur who forever changed the pop music landscape. He won seven Grammy Awards and had five number one songs. His hit songs include Little Red Corvette, 1999, Kiss, and When Doves Cry. John Perellis of The New York Times writes, Prince was a man bursting with music, a wildly prolific songwriter, a virtuoso on guitars, keyboards and drums, and a master architect of funk, rock, R&B and pop, even as he, his music defied genres. Joining from Los Angeles to discuss the artist who shaped his career his way, our senior editor at Billboard magazine, Gail Mitchell, and longtime musician and cultural critic Sasha Freer Jones, welcome to both of you. Gail, if I could, let me start with you. You've uh, you've spoken uh, to Prince. You spent time with him. You interviewed him. What did you learn about him? I learned uh, this was three years ago, 2013. I learned that he was a regular guy. You know, he. I think he enjoyed hiding a little bit behind that mystique, mystique the mysteriousness. But when you got the chance, every time uh, I would talk to someone who worked with him, I would the first question I was would ask was, "Does he talk?" And they would say, "He'll talk your ear off." And he certainly did. I was just uh, it was just amazing to just sit there and he would talk about music. He talked about business. He talked about things he wanted to do down the road. It was just a, a, a tremendous opportunity. He wanted to talk, but he didn't want those interviews recorded. No, I remember being on the plane frantically emailing the. Uh, his manager at the time saying, can I please bring in my tape recorder? I'll stay at Paisley Park. I'll, I'll uh, um, transcribe the interview there. He can burn the interview after I do it. No. Can I take notes? No. So it was very intimidating to walk in there knowing, you know, I'm trying to do an interview. We were getting ready to honor him for the, uh, give him the Icon Award at the Billboard Music Awards. And I'm sitting there trying to think, you know, how in the heck do I do this? talk and get as much information out of him as I can and still be able to relay it without being able to take a note or um, or or record him. And at the end, I kind of somebody said you should have taken your phone and 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 snuck a recording in. But I figured the phone would go off and I'd be in trouble. And at the very end, when he's leading me out of his his uh, conference room, he says, I just need to double check one more time. Did you record this? And I was able to say, honestly, I didn't. So. Was the was the prince that you met the the same prince that was d defined everywhere we read about him, or was that a different person? In the beginning, I think it was the one you read about because the first thing he said to me before we even started the interview, he said, "We have to sit down and talk for a few minutes to see if we even get along before this interview will proceed." So there was that element of him. But when we sat down, he was very passionate at the time about black ownership and different arenas. And he had learned that I was going to write an essay about that, about black radio, uh, black radio ownership. Uh, uh, and I think that's what tipped the uh, scales in terms of us being able to go in there and interview him. So he talked at length to me about ownership and, and taking control of your own destiny. Sasha, how did Prince Rogers Nelson change music? He changed it in so many ways. I think there are so many different angles you can look at this from. I mean, growing up in New York, which seemed like a very free place, and it was in many ways before, I think AIDS and money really changed the city. Um, we were all worshiping this guy, and it occurred to me at one point, I was like, wait, he's from Minneapolis. 
and yet he's the freakiest of the freaky, um, and we're following him the, maybe more than we're following anyone other than maybe Michael and you know and hip hop at the time, which he famously sort of didn't get with at, at the moment, but then he eventually embraced it. Um, you know, he was the the black rocker. He was the the funk guy who played stuff no one could figure out what to do with. And then Purple Rain kind of destroyed all of these boundaries. It was a massive movie. It was a huge album. And he kind of went through the entire spectrum. And then it got even bigger. I mean, things like Sign of the Times, I still think sometimes is my favorite record. Um, and there's no way to really gauge. You have to pull way back because you've got someone like Frank Ocean right now who everyone is waiting for his album. He gets up and he writes a letter to Prince. And then you've got, in the canon, you've got Sinead O'Connor doing his her version of Nothing Compares to You, which is a song he had written for a spinoff group called The Family. And he ended up doing her rendition of his song. And those kind of spirals go on and on through music. Um, there are a lot of drum machine sounds that the 80s kind of kitsch groups are doing now that come straight off of 1999. Um, it's sort of very hard today to think of what he didn't influence. Cause there are people from the last 30 or 40 years who had a big moment who have no significance now, and I think Prince matters still to everybody. I More can't than imagine. ever. I can't imagine anyone I know in my... And if there's anyone in my circle who doesn't like Prince, I, I don't know what I did wrong. But, I mean, he's everything. I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to sort of get my mind around this one. What was it? It, it was the music, it was the performance... It was the composition. I mean, he, he, he did everything for every album. I mean, these days when um, there, are, there are producers involved, there's everyone involved in every aspect of an album, he, he single-handedly created every aspect of, of nearly every album, correct? That's correct. And he was one of the first people to speak out against um, the structuring of, of major labels and major label deals, and that really was way ahead of its time in the way that he dealt with the his label Warner Brothers in the 90s or might have started even in the early in the late 80s and that has really come back around as we've seen all these discussions of streaming which are really discussions about a company like Spotify or whoever it doesn't matter which one and their relationship to the rights holder and that's usually the label or another company it's not usually the artist and so he's before his death he was telling people don't sign to a label do it all yourself own all your stuff and that's been right for a long time um, and he was one of the first people to fight back against it and he was definitely less commercially popular after he left Warner but I don't think that worried him that much. Gail what did you learn about his his relationship or his thoughts on those rights holders? Uh, as, as, as was just said he was very he was very DIY before it became fashionable before the real uh, uh, implosion uh, or the explosion I should say of, of the internet and he told me then at the time that he was in conversations with different companies, but it was all, he said, those agreements that were being put forth to him were all uh, the basic kind of agreements he had at Warner Brothers, and he just wanted to control everything and 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 be the artist, be be the businessman, and and advocate for himself, that, that it was still kind of, I think everybody remembers the slave symbol. He, he uh, printed uh, uh, or had on his face. Sasha, he was, he was so shy in person, and when you watch him in televised interviews, yet he was, this, he was larger than life on stage. The amount of energy, especially for Prince, that you have to put into a performance like that, um, that's not something you can parade around 
every day, you'd go crazy. You'd also fall asleep at 2 p.m. I mean, when I saw him in Las Vegas, um, I don't know how many years ago, maybe eight years ago, seven years ago, um, you know, he was still at the peak that I'd seen him 10 years before that and 10 years before that. He, he put everything into the dancing. He'd know when to pull back and let his band go. And that just takes amazing concentration and listening also. I mean, he was always controlling the band in, in a subtle way, but he was, you know, directing and playing and singing. And I think he was multitasking long before there was a computer and a phone, and that became a word for something else. I think he was constantly hearing a lot of things at once, and uh, he just saved his energy for when he needed it. He, he knew how to do that very well. Sasha, he had energy not only in 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 writing these albums, um, in, in performing them, um, but in um, in maintaining that output for a long, long time. Thirty nine studio albums in yeah. in in thirty nine years. I mean, that's like clockwork, and it and it and it never tailed off. No, I mean, and there's there are two things that come to mind. Um, in the 80s, there's a there's a span in there. I've talked with friends about this. You, you play that goofy game of who's the best, who who had the best first album. And if you want to look for a streak, you know, we had the Warriors this year, breaking lots of records, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Um, that brought to mind Prince because I think he even mentioned Steph Curry recently. Um, there's a stretch beginning in the early 80s going through the late 80s where he was so prolific he had to write for so many groups. He had to invent groups to play his material. He had to invent an alter ego called Madhouse, which is mostly him playing jazz fusion. Um, I don't know that anybody's ever gone on a streak like that and have so much of it be so good. And then he kept performing and, and creating all through to the end. And some of his best songs, like Black Sweat and Guitar, come towards the end of his career. Is that why he gave so much music away to others? Because he, he had too much of it? I assume. I mean, uh, he didn't give away Nothing Compares to You. That went to the family, um, a spinoff group, and then she took it herself. And that was, you know, an amazing move, kind of like Aretha taking respect from uh, Otis and never giving it back and changing the meaning forever. Um, he And then also we all know there's a vault with, with oodles and oodles and oodles of, of videos and albums and who knows what's in there. Um, and it could go on forever. I mean, I hope I hope we get to hear what's in there. Gail, any idea how much how much is left that we that we haven't heard that we may in the future? Well, I was just going to bring up too about the vault when I was there and then came back. One of the uh, one of my good friends who used to work with Prince, she said, "Did he take you down to the vault?" And I said, "The vault." I said, "I had no idea." So I, for, I'm sure there. Are, I have no idea how much is in there. I do know there's. I, he used to do jam sessions there at Paisley Park that I'm told are, are tremendous, that are on tape. Uh, he, you know, opened his studio up to a lot of different acts to come there and, and record and do different things. You know, I would love to be one of the ones to go in there and just see exactly what's in there, um, probably lose myself. Sasha, can I ask you about the, that famous Super Bowl halftime show, uh, which, you know, sure. came, came in this uh, dreary game, it was raining, uh, the Bears um, and Colts, and I think some had lost interest in the actual game itself, and then Prince comes out and lights things up. And I think a lot of people thought changed changed the Super Bowl halftime uh, forever and, and, and what it can be and, and, and what it can do in, in, this, in this awful 
weather environment, uh, never mind. What, what, what did you make of that and what, what difference did you think it made? I think it made a huge difference and it was an incredibly canny move on his part because, you know, as much as anyone in the world would want to see him live um, up until the end, and I was one of those people, you know, he wasn't a chart presence and he did a bunch of things all at once during that performance. He did sort of a kitschy routine with the fireworks and his guitar and that very sort of phallic moment, which was just sort of goofy and funny. But he also kind of went through his catalog and reminded everybody of who he was and what he could do. And I, I think it was sort of a reset for everybody who was maybe dialing it in a little bit. Like, here's a guy who's, you know, got probably 10 or 20 years on you, maybe 30 years on you at that point. And he comes out and he just rips it. And he reminds you what he's written. He reminds you how he can play. He reminds you how he can sing. And that, I think, made everyone raised their game but you know it was also an elder at that point of the community saying like in some ways remember me but also like come on you know like like come on you can do better <laughs> and I think and I think people then have done better I think you know that Beyonce show was fantastic you know yeah and, and, and Gail how 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 frightening was that for other artists when 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 Prince throws down the gauntlet well I, I think as was just said, you know, it, it makes everybody step up. Everybody likes a challenge, and that's basically what, what Prince was doing, I think. You know, it, it's time to stop, as, as was just said, dialing in and, and do you. And that's exactly in everything he did, whether he was a chart presence or not a chart presence, whatever. I think the whole of his career, he can, you know, you can say that he did him. You know, he knew his his lane and he knew what he wanted to do in terms of exploring and, and being adventuresome and fearless and uh, he was going to keep doing that and um, I, I think another aspect that people don't look at a, a lot too I mean he was a mentor to a lot of different artists uh, up-and-coming artists there's a new girl on Atlantic Records uh, now um, Lizzo she talked to me she was able to do a track with him and and uh, his girl band recently, and she said what a thrill that was. She just wanted to lick the spit off the uh, microphone he had used so she could <laughs> imbibe some of his power. And there's Andy Allo and Janelle Monet, and just, you know, he, he was a recognizer of talent. And um, I think he just pushed. He just wanted everybody, I think, People have gotten lazy a lot of times in the music industry. It's it's very assembly line, you know. Let's find the next this one. Let's find the next that one. And individualism to me is what stands out, and that that's what stands out with Prince, with Michael, with uh, Stevie Wonder, with uh, any uh, um, with a Frank Ocean, uh, a Drake. You know, it's just do you and do the best you you can do. Sasha, can I ask you about Michael Jackson? Because it just occurred to me that so Prince and Michael Jackson came up concurrently, right? I mean, they sort of burst onto the scene solo in the late 70s. I mean, Michael was on the scene considerably earlier than than With Prince a group. Was, but but, but yeah. their solo careers were a little, yeah, they were pretty close together. Did they know each other? Did they, um, did they learn it all from each other? There is a clip where not only Michael Jackson and Prince are on stage, but James Brown is on stage. Um, and it's a pretty great clip. Um, and they're at their, I think, most sort of giving and happy and, you know, they know who they are and they know what they can do. Um, they were definitely competitive with each other. I think there's evidence of that. But I think it was a pretty fruitful, um, you know, as Gail said, like, you know, 
having having to step up your game is a good thing. Competition is is a really good thing when you, you're a creative force and you need someone to to push up against. Like there's that band that's pushing you, you know. Um, and Prince definitely made everyone step their game up, but of course nobody did that more than Michael. And I know that they were definitely thinking about each other and the music that they made concurrently was pretty pretty amazing. Especially looking back now, you you wish that there were two forces going at it like that with that kind of, you know, real competitive but sort of affectionate power because you know they respected each other. There's no way that they didn't. There aren't today, are there? No. I Well, I could think about it. I mean, there might be. But I, I'm, the fact that I have to think about it really hard. I mean, there, you know, there's some minor rap beefs, but it's not really the same thing. Sasha, you mentioned uh, Sign of the Times as maybe the favorite album. Do you have a favorite song? Um... There was a moment when I was, um, my band was making its first record and, I, and we were in the studio and we had just gotten Sign of the Times and we, it was very late at night and we lay down in the dark and listened to the whole record and Dor uh, the ballad of Dorothy Parker really gripped me. Um, it didn't sound quite like anything. It turns out to sound so unusual because only half of the board is plugged in. Susan Rogers, his um, longtime engineer was just installing a new uh, mixing board and he got up the way he often would at 2 a.m. and said, I have an idea. And she was like, wait, 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 hang on. I'm not fully powered up. And he just started. So there's sort of a weird lo-fi quality to it. And it's got this dreamy, unbelievable sound. It's got one of those Prince narratives that, you know, only Prince could make up. Like he wants to keep his pants on when he takes a <laughs> bath. And, and then he breaks into, you know, a Joni song, and it was just so otherworldly and beautiful, and it's mostly a drum machine and these little noises, and I just thought, who in the world would put all of these elements together and make, in some ways, what sounds like a very modest and minor song, but every time I hear it, I just think, there's only one person in the world who could have made that song. But then if you ask me in five seconds, I'll say, well, hot thing, and then I'll say, mm, I don't know, uh, I, you know, why don't you, how come you don't call me anymore is, is one that kills me. Gail's, I mean, they all they all kill me. Gail, same question to you. Yeah, Sasha, you just stole my. I, I do love. <laughs> how come you don't call me anymore? Because oh, Alicia and then it's Stephanie Mills. That's all right. But I think it's on Sign of the Times. Housequake was one of mine. If I ever saw mm -hmm. it, heard it at a party, then I was off and running. And I don't know. In my experience, every time I saw him, he he might play a snippet. He never played that particular song all the way through, and I don't know why. And then Diamonds and Pearls. I just he, the the ballads and. And how he could, you know, just, you know, go from something like a house quake or a 1999 and then just tone it all the way down and still be just as forceful. So those are the, the two I particularly care like. It, it was that unpredictability, though. Right, yes. Gail? He, he just, yes. he didn't, it, there was, there was no, there was no standing still. No. Yeah. He, he didn't want to be, when I asked him, I asked him a comment about getting the Icon Award. And he says, you know what, I don't look back. He says, there's no value in my looking back. He says, I'm looking forward. So he says, I can't answer that question for you. So I think that says it all about Prince. Helping us look back on a legendary um, career tonight, Sasha Fear Jones and Gail Mitchell. Thank you both very much. Thank, thank you. you. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. 
You can always see the sun, day or night.